It's time for Cadillac On Call on News Radio 610 KONA. It's your chance to learn valuable health information right here in our community. Now, the host of Cadillac On Call, here's Jim Hall. Hello, Happy New Year, and welcome to Cadillac On Call, presented by the Cadillac Foundation. As we begin the new year, we continue to keep a close eye on the ever-evolving COVID pandemic. The roller coaster we've ridden for nearly two years now is again on the rise as the Omicron variant has taken hold here and around the country. On today's program, we'll get you the very latest with a leading public health infectious diseases leader in our community. Plus, we'll go live to Catholic Regional Medical Center in Richland for an update on the situation there with the, cat, the head of the Catholic Intensive Care Unit. And we'll have an overall hospital perspective from Catholic's chief nursing officer. So a lot of ground to cover this evening. First, we go to Heather Hill, the Communicable Disease Program Manager with the Benton Franklin Health District. And Heather, Heather as we come on the first program of 2022, the word of the week seems to be Omicron. What can you tell us about the current state of COVID in the area and how we expect to be impacted by this latest variant. Sure, Jim. You know, as we've talked over the last few weeks and tried to predict what would happen when Omicron um, became prevalent in the Tri-Cities area, uh, what we kind of expected to happen, unfortunately, has come true. You know, the the case rates have just skyrocketed. If you look at the uh, graph for cases over the last couple of years, you get to the last couple of weeks of data, and it just just went straight up. So it did a little bit of what we expected it to do. Um, so in um, both counties, we're seeing a significant increase. Over the last uh, 14 days, Benton County has seen a 94, almost 95% increase, and Franklin County is at 105%, almost 106% increase. And we knew that was going to happen. We just didn't know to what extent it would. And then if we looked, say, just at the last week or so, um, that is where things get even more troubling because Benton County increased by 228% and Franklin County uh, by 410%. So we were looking at two weeks ago, well, actually about one week ago, we were at about 297 cases. And now we're up to 1,132 cases at the same time period a week later. So we know that we are significantly increasing, and that does have us concerned. Our CDC West test site, again, uh, we're seeing a significant increase in the number of people coming in for testing both there and at the Richland test site. With the positivity rate at CDC being about 9.98%, and the Richland test site is at about 8.19% uh, positivity. So, again, positivity rate has increased, and the total number of tests being done has significantly increased as well. And then um, we look at our hospitalizations, and those have certainly increased. But we know hospitalizations take a couple of weeks to really catch up when we start to see a spike in data. So I think what will happen in the hospitals over the next two to three weeks will be very interesting, especially um, as we look to how Omicron is affecting our community. We look at some of the um, the data on the sequencing, what kind of uh, variants are, are out there in the community, 
and our data, it's important to understand that data does lag by several weeks. It takes several weeks to go through that sequencing process over at the labs on the um, at University of Washington. So the data that we see right now as far as what the predominant um, strain is out there is still telling us it's more Delta, but that, again, you have to look back and go, that's a few weeks old because it takes a while to get that information. But the way that our our data spiked, how it's acting in the community tells us is probably more likely Omicron is certainly increasing its presence out in our community. You know, so that's the bad side when we look at our data. It is not going in the right direction at all. We did anticipate this post-holiday. The good side, though, is as we look at how it is affecting us, again, Omicron doesn't seem to be as severe. It definitely transmits a lot quicker than Delta did. And especially in that, that fully vaccinated population, it is what we would consider mild symptoms. And again, mild symptoms can be really quite uncomfortable. Severe symptoms are those people who are really struggling with breathing, keeping their oxygen level up and need to go to the hospital. So that's kind of the difference between severe and moderate. And what we're seeing mostly with Omicron is, is less severe. We're not seeing the need for hospitalization like we were with the, the Delta variant. But again, um, time will tell as we see it circulating in our community and we follow it over the next few weeks to, to a month or more. So we are, as we are on the air today, a week past the New Year's holiday. So we're fully not out of the holiday season spike that we would probably expect. And so I guess is that where this transmissibility, the fact that it's much more contagious, raises your level of concern? Yeah, exactly. It, it definitely is more transmissible. Um, we know that it uh, it does move a lot quicker, especially through groups, through family groups, and that's why we're so concerned about people putting all of those mitigation strategies into effect, especially with um, vaccinating, wearing masks, social distancing, staying away from large groups, you know, particularly in crowded indoor settings. And, and we're looking at, you know, athletic events and gatherings where people were together over the holidays, that's certainly where we're seeing um, a direct correlation with that type of activity and the increasing um, case rates we're seeing in our community. And interestingly, I know you touched on the hospitalizations. I know where I work at Catholic, uh, the number was in the mid-30s today, where a week ago it was down into the mid-teens. So we are seeing an increase there. But as you touched on um, the point now more seems to be not so much the actual total cases is just the the fact that uh, what what happens if these milder yet more cases uh, have on the community yet the people that work in the community who are also more contagious um, for getting COVID so there's that concern to worry about right and and hospitalizations are certainly a key indicator of just how severe things are going to be in our community. And uh, again, we've got a few weeks yet to watch this trend to see what really happens. You know, if we look at the rest of the nation, um, yes, Omicron has significantly affected hospitalizations, increased hospitalizations, and it's a stress on our our acute care facilities and the staff in those facilities. But I think it's also important to realize the impact that Omicron has on the general workforce. We've 
We've heard on the news how it's affected the airline industry, the travel industry. Um, but even here in our own Tri-Cities region, we're doing a lot of uh, reaching out to businesses who are struggling with the inability to keep staffing up to the level they need because Omicron has hit them so hard, it's so transmissible that we're losing our workforce because they need to stay home, stay um, in their own home and not out spreading around, or they're just too ill to come to work, but they're not ill enough to land in the hospital. And that's our, our concern right now is, once again, how is this going to affect our, our general workforce and in, I wanna, in our community? I want to touch on that in the next segment a little bit more on the advice to business owners whose employees and kind of the protocols that people should be following. But I do want to have one quick question before we go to break relative to the, the, the case reporting. I know there have been... Uh, throughout, not only here in the Tri-Cities, but across the country, when people report COVID hospitalizations. Uh, some people, because everyone is tested when they come into the hospital, there's that question of, okay, how many of these are people who are COVID positive but are there for, say, a hip replacement surgery versus those that are being hospitalized for COVID? We're very, very careful to look at that kind of data. And the only data we report as COVID-related hospitalizations are those people who are hospitalized because of their COVID symptoms and their need for care to support um, the fact that they're COVID positive. If a person shows up for a preoperative appointment or you've come in to deliver a baby and you just happen to test positive for COVID, but you are not being treated for COVID, that does not um, get added to our COVID hospitalization data. So that's a very, very important point to understand when we look at those hospitalization rates. Visiting with Heather Hill at the Benton Franklin Health District, we have one more segment of her time to share with some important information with you, and we'll do that right after this. You're listening to Cadillac On Call on 610 KONA. This program provides general information only. Any comments or information presented are strictly for educational purposes. Cadillac and 610 KONA do not endorse any of the suggestions made by the presenter or callers. Now back to Cadillac On Call. Once again, Jim Hall. Welcome back to Catholic on Call, presented by the Catholic Foundation, visiting with Heather Hill with the Benton Franklin Health District. And Heather, as we come back, I'd like to touch on the importance of vaccinations, especially with this highly transmissible, what we're learning, Omicron variant. The latest stat- statistics from the state of Washington as of January the 1st, the state of Washington is 63% percent of its total population fully vaccinated, which I would guess to mean two doses or one dose of J&J. In Benton County, that number is 52%. Franklin County sits at 47%. Walla Walla at 57%. And I guess as we sit there with those statistics and with Omicron out there, the, the urge is still to get vaccinated and boosted, depending upon where you are in the regimen? That's exactly right, Jim. Um, And we've noticed that our our vaccine uptake has certainly slowed down over the last few few months. We're at about um, a 0.2% increase over the past week or so. So we know people are continuing to get vaccinated, but, you know, certainly not at the rate we would like to see to help protect our community because really the way you prevent severe disease and potential death is is you get vaccinated. Like we've said many, many times, vaccine isn't 100% protective, 
but it will stop you from getting severe illness that could lead to hospitalization and, and you know, unfortunately, death. Um, we're still looking at um, the 12 to 15-year-old to get the booster, and it appears that CDC has gone ahead and um, gone with that, and now we'll be waiting for Department of Health and the Western State Scientific Group to um, make their determination on that, which we would expect them to, again, agree that that is a good thing to have happen. And especially for our kids with trying to keep kids in school, um, it's even more important to look at our, our kids getting vaccinated and getting boosted. When we look at what's happened across the nation, we've been relatively lucky here in the mid-Columbia region where our pediatric rates haven't uh, filled up our hospitals, but we are hearing that certainly in other parts around the United States that that is happening, and a good way to keep kids out of the hospital is through vaccination. And is the the message I'm sure whether it's for a child for your child if you're in that in that realm or if you yourself are still hesitant about vaccine is to talk it over with someone you someone you trust especially in the medical field. Right, you know, talk it over with your physician. Make sure that you're looking at websites and getting your information from those trusted websites that actually have done that peer reviewed scientific. Um, studies on the vaccine, again, you need to see where that information is coming from to make sure that that you are reading true, valid information before you start making your decisions. And relative to where we are with our current situation, I know that you touched on the test positivity rate has gone up, but also the people affording themselves to get tested has also gone up. And I know there have been the rush to get the at-home tests, the more rapid tests versus the what are called PCR tests that are available that you said, like CBC and in Richland, that where they go through a test at the University of Washington. If I'm an employer, I know this trans, highly transmissible Omicron is out there. And uh, as you touched on, whether you're a healthcare employer or a business person of a different sort, uh, and your employees come up with COVID, what's your advice to people on, on protocols that they should follow? You know, there's a, been a lot of confusion, a lot of discussion in the news lately about what exactly are the protocols. And, and it does differ a little bit depending on the environment you're in. So it's really important to read them with a, a exactly are they speaking to my work environment. But generally, what we want to tell people is get tested. If you test positive, particularly with an antigen test kit, what we know with those antigen test kits is they're not as sensitive as the PCR, but they do start picking up positives about the time you have enough virus in your nose to actually create a positive test. So you may be symptomatic and doing tests and going, but I, I must have COVID. I, I feel like it. I've been around COVID. Why are my antigen tests, rapid antigen tests negative? Well, it's because your nose hasn't um, built up enough virus for you to actually trigger a positive test. And it's at that point in time that you are actually contagious. We know you need a certain amount of virus in your nose, in your respiratory secretions, a high enough level that you're going to spew out of your body to actually infect somebody else. Whereas the PCR, it can stay positive up to 60 days or so because it's, a, it's looking for just viral particles, and they could be dead viral particles. 
and you're no longer contagious. So it's really important to, if you're symptomatic, please stay home. Continue to test. If you end up testing positive, double check on your work environment as, and your employer as to how long you should stay home. And make sure you let or your employer lets those people who you might have potentially exposed know so that they can also go ahead and get some testing and, again, stop the spread throughout the work environment because it is that work environment in our community and across the nation that's getting hit very, very hard with this Omicron variant. I have just a couple of minutes left before we let you go. I do want to have you touch on the fact that we've addressed that this Omicron is is highly transmissible, but hopefully not as uh, physically uh, debilitating to people when when they do test positive for COVID. But the other thing, and it's, I guess it takes me back to when the whole COVID thing, uh, COVID experience began two, nearly two years ago. It seemed to go, you know, it, it doesn't hit everybody at the same time. And is that what makes this kind of tricky? Because I know right now, Western Washington and Washington State is being pretty severely hit, and they have much higher vaccination rates than, than our side of the state does. So what's, what's, what are we to gain or what are we to make of all of that? I think it's really important for us to look at what is happening around not only the rest of Washington State, the United States, but what's happening in the rest of the world so that we can gain from the information that's happening in those environments. Um, we live in the mid-Columbia. It doesn't mean that there's anything more special about us that would cause us not to become infected. We are as vulnerable as any place else around the nation, around the world, who, uh, you know, unfortunately has low vaccination rates. So I think it's important for us to continue to look and to learn and and gain from the experience of other parts of, of the nation, other parts of Washington State, so that we can improve the health of our community by looking at what's happened in the other communities that worked and what's happened that caused it to spread even quicker. So we need to keep being very, very vigilant and and using that information to guide us here. We have about a minute left, if you would. I know uh, the schools are back in session and fortunately open. And as you touched on, seeming to be pretty successful throughout uh, the first part of the year, the first half of the school year. But uh, with this highly, more highly transmissible Omicron, what's the message with schools and what should we all take away tonight? I think it's really important to understand that the classroom environment is not where we're seeing uh, significant transmission because the schools are doing an excellent job of encouraging mask wearing, distancing, doing all those mitigation strategies. And, And kids really are being compliant. They're doing a good job in the classroom. Where we're seeing the problem is in after school activities, not only in athletics and sports and other after school activities, but when kids gather outside the school environment. Um, we know that athletes are being tested at varying rates throughout their, their time doing their sport to try to catch those infections early. But then we as parents also need to show good behaviors when we're attending athletic events. Our kids have to wear masks. We as adults, we as a parent need to um, show good behavior and do exactly the same thing that the schools are expecting of our kids we as adults should be doing the same thing as well. Visiting with Heather Hill, the Benton Franklin Health District, as we turn the calendar into the the year 2022. Thanks so much for your time, Heather. We'll be back with a hospital perspective on the latest with COVID right after this.
You're listening to Cadillac On Call on 610 KONA. This program is not a substitute for direct consultation with your own health care provider. Always consult your health care provider for your specific condition, especially if you have or suspect you may have a medical problem. Now back to Cadillac On Call. Here again, Jim Hall. Welcome back to Cadillac On Call, presented by the Cadillac Foundation. The new year brings new developments in the COVID pandemic. Our latest focus is the growing impact of the Omicron variant and its potential for putting more people in the hospital as the highly contagious variant has increased the volume of COVID cases. We're going to go now directly to the intensive care unit at Catholic Regional Medical Center, where we're happy to be uh, joined by Dr. Fani Kantamneni, who is the medical director of the Catholic ICU. And uh, thank you, doctor, for joining us. First of all, what is the current state of COVID in the ICU at Catholic? Hi, Jim. So thank you for having me. You're welcome. We have uh, we have five patients out of uh, 12 medical ICU patients uh, who are COVID positive and who are in the ICU because of COVID-related symptoms. And as you know, um, Cadillac has surgical and medical ICU beds, so five out of 12 of them are now COVID positive. And for our listeners, maybe just to give a brief overview of what would result in someone needing to be in the intensive care unit versus just being on uh, an, an acute care floor at the hospital? Absolutely. So when when you require so much oxygen, that uh, the supplemental oxygen that we give, uh, when that doesn't cut it, or when you are struggling to breathe despite maximum oxygen provided, then you will need to be placed on a breathing machine, which is also you know, the mechanical ventilator, as, as they know of. Uh, when you need that much of support and you're critically ill, uh, that's when we move you to the medical ICU from the general medical floor that you initially are being cared at. So all these five patients uh, came to us in a similar fashion. They, we were trying to, uh, they were being cared for in a regular medical floor, and when their symptoms got worse to the point where uh, the treatment they were receiving wasn't cutting it, we brought them to the ICU to place them on the mechanical ventilator. Without getting into too much uh uh, particular detail over the course of say the last uh, the last month or two, the people that are in the ICU, I, I know first of all are they are they usually you know when the, when the pandemic first hit a lot of the patients were older populations and then it became as vaccines rolled out the younger po- and Delta hit it was younger and younger populations that were uh, ending up needing ICU care. Uh, say over the last month to six weeks is what what is the how would you classify the the, pa- the age of the patients, the demographics? Um, I have patients right now between 40 years and 66 years of age. Uh, so definitely we're still seeing some young patients in the 40s. Um, and uh, like you rightly said, when, when COVID pneumonia started hitting us first, we only saw elderly patients. But we continue to see the young ones like we did with the Delta surge. And so with with those, or the people you say younger and younger patients, are, are these typically folks that might have some other health issues, underlying health conditions, as we've learned to call them? Or are you seeing it impacting people that are otherwise healthy? So we do have some underlying health conditions, you know, most importantly, obesity and diabetes and hypertension. Um, but if you see them, it could be a neighbor, it could be somebody, and they wouldn't strike to you as uh, suffering from medical conditions. So not necessarily very sick patients, but um, patients who definitely have one or two medical conditions like obesity or diabetes. Those are most susceptible 
to get sick enough to come to the ICU. What I'm learning and what we're learning about the Omicron variant, it seems to be it's highly contagious. Uh, the cases uh, may not be as severe if you have vaccination status, but it sounds like this highly transmissible part probably translates into concerns from a from a hospital standpoint, and just like any other business of being able to, to keep people in the workforce and so they don't catch this. That is true, and it, it is reflected by the fact that last week we had uh, about 15 to 17 COVID patients all through the hospital. And yes, they, in Cadillac, at Cadillac, we had 34. So we doubled just in the span of a few days. And we are seeing that the numbers are going up today. And if we count in a couple of days, I'm sure we're going to double that also. So the the highly contagious part is, is the most worrisome, uh, even though it is less uh, likely to put patients in the hospital than compared with Delta, per se, but the sheer number of people who get infected uh, increases the number of patients coming to the hospital. And because it's highly contagious, the chances that we're going to lose more nurses and, and respiratory therapists and doctors and CNAs and everybody that, that uh, works in healthcare industry, the chances are going to go up. And um, with just like, like you said, any other business, you know, healthcare workers go out to shop, they go out to eat, um, they, go, they send their kids to schools. And when the, virus is as contagious as this one, um, you know, they're going to acquire this from somewhere um, and, and it's going to strain. We are expecting that there's going to be a lot of strain in that in that sense. So staffing shortages are really something that concerns us. And, and we, are, uh, we are hopefully optimistic that we can get away with as little uh, roadblocks as we can. And is the, is the concern like it was back, say, in September, and October, early October, when it was not only the COVID strain placed on the hospitals, but all of the other health issues that required hospitalization, not only at Cadillac, but hospitals all over the region and the country, that it just almost puts this bottleneck on the system. Yes, uh, that uh, that concern remains. And uh, we have been unable to take care of patients um, from these critical access places that call us um, they look that look towards tri cities that look at a hospital like Cadillac, which is a regional referral center, um, and we try to help hospitals and uh, patients in a 200 mile radius, as you know, especially when the weather is like this and patients can't go to Seattle and Spokane. They look at Cadillac, and, and we, are, we are usually able to help them. But since the onset of the pandemic, we're already stretched so thin, we're already helping the tri city population that we're unable to uh, offer this help to these critical populations that, that usually. Uh, look at us and, and look up to us. Well, two more quick questions. I'm going to make. I'm going to end on a weather-related one. But before we get to that one, I'm going to stay on our topic of COVID. What is what is your level of concern? Uh, I guess as we begin the year, we know this Omicron is here. We're coming out of the holidays. Uh, what is your level of concern from your view uh, in the ICU at Catholic? So when we look at the map of vaccinations, um, we are right in between few counties that uh, that unfortunately we we have the lowest vaccinations if you if you put us on a nation nationwide map. So unfortunately we are we are catering to the uh, counties in which the vaccination rates are really low. That is my biggest concern, and that'll be my my biggest plea is for patients and for, for people to get vaccinated. Uh, and if you are vaccinated, please get the booster shot. Uh, this will definitely keep you out of the ICU, and we, we barely ever see any vaccinated patient come to the ICU or sick enough to come to the ICU. So that is my biggest concern, that um, most of our counties here are 
height and and not getting vaccinated. So that's that's the biggest biggest one for me. And tonight, as you touched on, uh, as we are speaking, it is uh, snowing here in our region. So we have been pretty severely impacted weather-wise. If you would take a minute before we let you go, Dr. Contamnani, to talk about what that is like uh, for a hospital like Cadillac that relies on transportation, whether it's on the ground or through the air to get patients, especially those that are sicker, in light of a, th- a storm conditions like this. It severely affects us, and it's uh, it is important to realize, like I said, just like these smaller centers want to send their patients to us, and they cannot because of the weather, and the patients are stuck in these smaller places, and, and the care is delayed. In the same way, if there's a patient at Cadillac that needs higher services, at, let's say Seattle or Spokane, we are unable to send them out also. So be safe out there. Please drive carefully, and, you know, don't get into car wrecks and crashes because the care will be delayed, and most of it is because of the weather. And, um, so and stay safe. And one final question, if I would. I just uh, always think it's important to. We're going on two years with this pandemic, uh, and the healthcare workforce mm-hmm. has been there twenty four seven, three sixty five. If you would just take a second and talk about your view and what what it has meant to be part of this and be part of the team that just continues to relentlessly come to come to work every day, uh, whether it's COVID, whether it's snow, whether it's storm conditions, uh, no matter what the circumstances. I'm glad you asked that. I'm really thankful to all the healthcare workers that are that have been at it for the last two years. I understand some of us have quit, some of us have retired and, and burnt out, but uh, you should remember that we continue to serve this community. We continue to uh, provide that all needed care, and and we have we have mo- uh, nine out of ten times have kept patients here. We have addressed their issues. So you know, hats off to everybody who's been showing up day in and day out. And, and working at the same time, I hear I hear their concerns, and 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 I wish that um, more and more people out in the society uh, get their vaccines and stay safe. And and that is the, that is the best gift you can give us. Well, I want to thank you for carving out a few minutes with us, even as you work your shift in the ICU at Cadillac, Dr. Fani Kentamnani, the medical director of the intensive care unit at Cadillac Regional Medical Center. And you heard it from him: stay safe out there, take it slow, and. Uh, Most of all, get your vaccine if you haven't done so. Our back with our final segment of Cadillac on Call right after this. You're listening to Cadillac on Call on 610 KONA. This program provides general information only. Any comments or information presented are strictly for educational purposes. Cadillac and 610 KONA do not endorse any of the suggestions made by the presenter or callers. Now back to Cadillac on Call. Once again, Jim Hall. Back for our remaining minutes of Catholic on Call, presented by the Catholic Foundation. And we're going to go back to Catholic Regional Medical Center, at least the chief operating officer and chief nursing officer component. I know uh, Kirk Harper left the hospital about an hour ago. He finally made it home. So the traffic reports, uh, no matter which way you're driving in the Tri-Cities, uh, use patience, right, Kirk? Absolutely. Go slow. Take your time. And please, yeah, just be safe. Absolutely. Dr. Condom Nanny touched on it just in our last segment, Kirk, talking about uh, what happens when weather like this uh, interrupts the ability to transport patients, whether it's via the air or on the ground, uh, not only to Cadillac, but other places out of Cadillac. And, and I guess that's just an, another uh, um, message from your world uh, to really take it safe uh, during this time, especially when the weather's like this. 
It is. I mean, just looking out there, the number of accidents, you know, first responders can only get to so many places at so quickly and at a certain pace with this type of weather. And then if they have to go to the hospital, it takes additional time. And then, you know, if they have to go to multiple calls and then we need to transfer someone, they can't fly out in this weather or ground as bad as it is, too. Then, uh, you know, that adds to the complexity of caring for them, depending upon what's going on with the, the patient at that point in time. On to COVID we go, and we touched with Dr. Contamnani on the situation in the ICU at Cadillac. What is the overall picture at Cadillac relative to COVID as we uh, begin this first full week of January? Yeah, during the the past several days, you know, our numbers have increased for uh, inpatients uh, occupying a bed. So we were holding pretty steady in the high teens, if you will, uh, through December. And then in January, it picked up a little bit higher with uh, inpatients in a, in a bed. So so we have increased. The answer to that is yes. Uh, the magnitude of it is right now, the majority of them are in our acute care setting and fortunately have not seen them transition or evolve in their disease process to the ICU in the manner and you know, magnitude that we did with the, the, Delta, the Delta surge. So what is your primary concern right now? Uh, my primary concern is staffing. It's how when our caregivers or their family members uh, are testing positive or have exposures and they're staying home and that causes them to, you know, an inability for them to come in and help care for our patients. So right there, that just compounds the whole situation in, you know, the patients that come to the hospital to be served. It makes it more difficult and a lot more complicated. And then you had weather like this too. And if there's school closures, then potentially there's uh Caregivers and providers are, you know, they're staying home. And then, again, that just adds to someone less to be available to help care for patients. And if you would address, you talk about what what the impact, and especially we saw it when the Delta variant was so prevalent that the, I think the numbers were in the mid-80s of hospitalized COVID patients, which really put strain on the system. But talk a little bit about even when there's this many, you're still running a very full hospital in most cases, COVID and otherwise, right? Absolutely. There's so many other patients that need our care for whatever, you know, they come in for, whether it's cardiac, neuro, it's a very important surgery that, you know, they need to have for to help them in their uh, progression of what's going on. So yes, it's we're still definitely seeing uh, nice and full. I mean, full in the in the sense that our steady numbers and what we consistently see this time of year, we just do have that fluctuation of patients who come in and they might be COVID positive, but they're not coming in because of COVID. They have other disease processes too. So it's a combination of uh, quite a few uh, of what's going on, but we do have still quite a few patients that are uh, needing our care. As you have learned throughout the course of the past two years, these these ebbs and flows, these surges, and and that that come and go, and it and it sounds like, by all indications, coming out of the holiday season, and now we have at least a highly transmissible, hopefully not as dangerous version of COVID. But it sounds like uh, you're you're having to expect that the number of hospitalizations is going to continue to go up over the next few weeks. You know, looking at what, looking at some of the other literature and what's going on in some of the other areas, yes, we do anticipate it to still increase. However, hopefully, we follow some of the trends where it's not as bad to where we, you know, occupy the ICUs or it puts the the strain on the the system. The big strain again goes back to when you asked me what's what the biggest concern is around staffing and it's having the caregivers to help provide the care. Again, it's when they're 
out and getting them returned to work in a timely fashion that's you know safe they're through whatever their potential exposure if they've or if they've had COVID then it you want to make sure they're uh, ready to come back and that's that's impactful and that takes its toll on the uh, and that's really what adds some additional stress to the to the system. And is that what the conversation centers around? I know Cadillac is part of our listeners may not be aware of the Providence system, which has a large presence uh, all throughout the Northwest, places in, like Spokane and Walla Walla and Seattle and Everett and Olympia and Portland, Oregon, and all throughout the Western United States. When you get on these calls with your colleagues in other parts of the Providence system, is are those the conversations that you're having? They are, and this week especially because there's just so much going on and waiting for uh, you know, the Supreme Court on the 7th to hear some things from the CMS and OSHA on those uh, the cases that are there that's going to be impactful for all sorts of uh, entities, but most directly for this conversation, us, in how we will have to work through you know, the guidelines that are set forth there. It's kind of that waiting at the moment to see where that will where the dust settles there. But we still have uh, working with the CDC and following those guidelines and making sure, again, we're adhering to those. And it just just due to the nature of it and having uh, caregivers off, it does impact the uh, the system. But, yes, those are the topics of our conversations, uh, especially this week. And aren't they, from what I'm understanding and visiting with Heather, it's hitting in different – it doesn't hit everybody at the same time, that these this Omicron. So it's – I understand in, like, in western Washington, it's much more uh, prevalent than it is here currently. You know, I learned that today also, and hopeful we don't see, you know, it catches up to us to, to where we have that and it impacts us. But if it is, we have a little bit of a delay. But if we can get ahead of it with all the, you know, people maintaining those safety precautions that they know and the vaccination status of individuals, hopefully that will help. That we do, and we'll probably see our uh, increased numbers. I mean, just looking at the, the stats that she had for today, is, yes, we do, we're already seeing an increase, but hopefully we... Uh, don't see what they've seen on the west side, but I'm sure we'll follow suit in some way, you know, some form of fashion. If you can, take 20 seconds and just talk about uh, the team that continues to be there, uh, COVID or otherwise, and snow, rain, or or elsewhere, right? Absolutely. Just want to say a huge thank you. I can never say it enough, and every time I get a chance, and appreciate you opening the door to give me that opportunity just to say thank you to all of our uh, providers and caregivers for what they do every day and serving our patients and can never say it enough and really appreciate every one of them. And our thanks to you. We appreciate you for taking some time for us, Kirk. Kirk Harper, the Chief Nursing Officer, Chief Operating Officer at Catholic Regional Medical Center. Thanks for listening. Be safe out there and we'll talk again next Wednesday night.